Welcome to the Binge Breakers Podcast. I'm Jacqueline. I am here to teach you how I overcame bulimia and my binge eating disorder, and how you can too. Through simple steps of mind management, repairing your relationship with yourself, understanding your habits, and intuitive eating. Disclaimer. This recording is not intended to be utilized as medical advice or a medical diagnosis. If you think you're in need of medical attention or treatment, please seek it immediately. This recording will also contain sensitive subjects such as binging and purging, weight and depression. Please listen at your own discretion and do what you think is best for you. Hello everyone and welcome to the podcast. Today, I'm not sure what to call this yet, but it's going to be about reflections I had from my pause retreat this past weekend. And for those of you guys that are new here, I talk about bulimia recovery, binge eating recovery. Um, That's what I struggled with and I help my clients with it. And for those of you that don't know, I just went on a pause retreat for four days and it's a private retreat I hosted in Mexico in the Ocho Retreat Center, which was amazing by the way. And it was for clients to come and work on their recovery for a few, really four solid days and um, actually put the tools into practice, eat good food, keep food down um, and get themselves on track and have a break. And that's what I did for the past four days or five days, I guess. I got up there a little bit early or down there and it was amazing. Uh, so I just want to share all those lessons with you and be really open and transparent about how it went and the takeaways because I thought it'd be helpful. So it's about the retreat, but a lot of these things are applicable to bulimia recovery. So if you're new, don't worry. It's not just talking about my vacation. Um, it really is something that's helpful. But a few things. Um, first, the the retreat center itself was lovely. It was in San Pancho, which is a surf town in Nayarit, Mexico, and it was it was just very cultural. Um, you know, you know, different places in Mexico, and some of them are just basically resorts. But being there in the actual town of San Pancho, it just felt uh, it felt like it was real. It's just like when you go to New York versus a small town in the states, right? New York is not the entire United States, and it very much so doesn't capture what America is about. So I loved being there. It was uh, close to the water and just really beautiful, lovely. All the people were super nice. Had a lot of very too spicy for me and my white girl stomach um, Mexican food, but I tried my best to eat it and uh, just just try everything. And that was amazing. And uh, we did a lot of different activities. We did a sound bath the first um, night, which I don't know if you've ever done, but it's, you know, they take these bowls and they kind of do make sounds with them and they let you kind of the sound wash over you. And that was just more phenomenal than I thought, especially since I'm very sensitive to sound, but it just felt like it was clearing my head. Um, and if I'm going to be fully transparent, I don't know the science behind that, but I can imagine sound seems to have quite an impact on me and other people. So I love that. And we did it and the sunset and we were kind of on this rooftop so we could see over the water as we were having this sound bath experience. And it was just very spiritual. I think the whole retreat I could describe is something different than I'm used to, I'm very rational, I'm very scientific, I'm very in my head. And this retreat, one of the purposes that I knew would happen, but I didn't fully realize it till I got there for me and my client was that, um, oh, and that's another thing too. I only actually had one person show up for the retreat, which I felt a lot of shame about, but actually it turned out to be amazing. Like it was just what I needed, especially for my first retreat. So, but yeah, me and my client, this private retreat, uh, 
it was it was actually very spiritual and very much so about being in your body and experiencing the somatic part of life and very woo and very like taking these journeys outside of your body. It was not, it was very out of my comfort zone, but very helpful. But anyway, yeah, we took a sound bath the first night. That was um, interesting. We took a cold plunge the next day when my client actually showed up. And uh, that was way more painful than I ever thought cold baths were. I always tell people to do cold baths. And of course it's cold. And I take cold showers sometimes in the dead of winter. It's very cold, but fully submersing your body into cold water and, you know, borderline freezing water. I didn't realize the pain that you felt it really, and it is a shocking experience. Your your breath suddenly stops and you can't breathe and you have to work backwards to try to get yourself a breathe again and stay in it and experience all these feelings. So that was unique. And then we uh, um, we went out to dinner and tried different foods each and every day. The food that they provided was lovely and fresh and whole and organic and primarily vegan. I'd say we did have some meats, but it was just, oh, so good and, and amazing. Um, and the retreat center itself was just built into the side of a mountain slash jungle. And and my client described it perfectly. She says, this place feels like a womb. It feels like I am safe here. And uh, it just really felt like you were nestled into the earth the whole time in the retreat center. Like you were just living in the jungle in kind of a tree house. So that was, that was beautiful. I did get bitten a lot, like eaten alive by bugs. I'm glad I brought bug spray, but nothing could stop that. And then uh, also we took this walk to um, this kind of hike to this clay beach. It was this beach that was hidden away in a cove. It almost felt like mermaids belonged there or something. It seemed just completely untouched by humans, but there was this little part where you could grab blue clay and we rubbed it all over our skin to try to kind of get to know our bodies and embrace it. And it's good for your skin, clay, exfoliation, all these things. And the person, our guide was like, looked at me and like, no, you need more. And she just like slapped clay onto my face and in my hair. And I was like, okay. Um, But anyway, me and my client did that. And we laid on the beach for a while and we talked about it. And it was very interesting because you've got to kind of you had to be comfortable with your body, right? And you had to be open and just were just covered in clay. You'd be comfortable touching your body and being out of your comfort zone. And that was fun. And then we washed it off in the ocean and the ocean was beautiful. The waves were intense, but not dangerous. And I swam out a little bit further and then I just floated in the ocean in the darkness of it all. And actually it was a terrifying experience because I'm, for those of you guys that don't know, I love swimming. I absolutely love it, but I'm always scared of dark water, water I can't see the bottom of. And so when you float, especially in that ocean, you, there, you can't see the bottom and your ears get covered by the water. So all you can really hear are the sounds of the water as you're floating. And I just closed my eyes and it was a fearing, feeling of terror that I don't experience quite often. And I just let myself, I counted on the seconds for try to be there for at least a minute before I swam back. But it was a real lesson in just being with discomfort and fear and in fully embracing nature and its ferocity and respecting it. I don't know what else to say, but it was, it was good. My client loved it too. She just found um, the whole experience to be helpful, which I'm going to go through in a little while. It's going to be a long episode. And then uh, we also did a cannabis ceremony, which I didn't think was going to be that crazy, um, but it was actually very emotional for me and my clients. And they took us through this whole meditation after um, having some cannabis. And it was just, it was a very 
spiritual experience there and very clarifying more than I thought it would be. And uh, what else did we do? We did a lot of journaling. We did a lot of talking um, between meals. We would kind of talk about any triggers that were coming up, processing our feelings and emotions. And um, oh, there's something else we did that was important. We also got this full body massage separately, not together, of course, but um, I booked it because I, and we did this yoga experience and I, a lot of the experience I chose for the retreat for me and my client to go through and anyone else that was going to show up is to slow everyone down and just be present with our body and mind. Cause I think that's a lot of us don't do in modern day society and it contributes to bulimia recovery, but the full body massage was it was like front and back. It was everything. It was very deeply personal. If you're not, if you're not comfortable with your body, it would have been a hard massage for you to experience. But I didn't think it would be that special other than just feel good. But I was bawling during that massage, just bawling. And I can, I'll tell you why in a little while, why I didn't, I've never cried so much in my life during this retreat. Uh, my client also, um, but the massage, just something about it. Like she did it in a way where she was almost meditating as she was massaging us. And, um, it felt like she was doing the massage to release whatever I needed to let go of, whatever my client needed to let go of. Um, and by the end, I noticed near like the last 20 minutes of the massage, I just settled into this peaceful blank state of just, I am fine. I will be okay no matter what. And it was, I felt like something shifted in me after that. So that was something I didn't expect. And then the last night we also went over to dinner since it was just my client and I, and we knew the retreats and thing. We went over to dinner at a local's house and we uh, talked over it, played music. And then we did tarot card readings. And I'm not a big, like you guys are, for those of you guys are listening the first time, you're like, oh my God, she's in a tarot. She's in all this non-sciencey BS, but I'm not, <laughs> I'm not a big believer in tarot cards. Um, I think that they can be interesting because you can pull them and you can take what you will from them. So that's kind of fun. And, but I don't know. I just am a skeptic, I'll say, uh, just like I am with most things. But we pulled tarot cards that night and they were eerily spot on. I actually pulled multiple cards that day. We pulled multiple cards at night, but then early in the morning with yoga, I pulled tarot cards as well. And for my client and myself, every single card was related to what was going on. And it was, maybe it was some sort of uh, psychological theory I'm not picking up on, but it was eerie um, to say the least. I've never experienced that with tarot cards before. And uh, then after tarot cards, we did kind of like dancing together. And it was just this out-of-body experience again, where you just had to go with the flow and really left us settled and nice. And the last day we traded place bracelets. Me and my client wrote intentional letters to each other and we're going to send them to each other in uh, three months from now to see where we are. And it's just, it's really cool. So that was a preview, kind of an overview of all everything that went down um, in the retreat in a short snapshot. But I wanted to go over what I learned. And before I say that, Something also happened, which I'm not going to share in extreme detail on the podcast because it's personal, it involves other people, and I don't, even though I'm deeply hurt and upset and mad and furious and all these different things, um, it's if the roles were reversed, I wouldn't want people sharing my dirty laundry. But something happened involving me and another person the morning of my retreat. And someone that's very close to me and just completely changed my world. And I still didn't even know what's going to happen from it. Um, it might really change and alter my life. Uh, but yeah, it's just like a major, major betrayal happened to me. And so the second I, like literally the morning of my retreat when I woke up, 
this happened. And then uh, I had to get on a plane and I had to go to be in the jungle with my client for this retreat. And I'll tell you, I've never, ever not wanted to be somewhere so much. Maybe when I was a little kid, I was like alone at camp, but I really didn't want to be the retreat the first night. And luckily it was by myself, but I just, it, I just wanted to run back and run away and fix everything and try to figure out what's going on. And just so many emotions during this entire retreat. So this retreat, I was going in intending it to be for my client and it certainly was. My client took so much from it, but it also ended up being a real space holding environment for me that I needed more than I ever realized. And I'm working through what's going on now, um, getting some therapy as well, like all those things, but it was just wild. And I learned a lot from being from that perspective too. It's almost like me and my client were going through the same thing, but you know, mine was not related to bulimia or food whatsoever. So all that being said, here's what I learned from the pause retreat. And here's what I think the main takeaways from my client was too. Number one, and this is probably well, there's two major ones, but this is one of the most important ones. Removing stress, both environmentally, relationship-wise, whatever it is, just removing all the stress and toxic stress from your environment is a large, large part of the equation and honestly more than I realized. And when I went to the pause retreat, much like the client, you start to get a perspective on how much you're really dealing with back home and what you're putting up with and all the things you're just doing because that's what you do. And layers of layers of stress keep adding on. And then you wonder why you're emotionally eating. You're turning to food. You're turning to bad behaviors. I'm a big um, believer in the fact that you need to learn how to cope and learn how to use tactics to push through and you need to be able to tolerate discomfort. None of us in our world can live without discomfort. We have to be in some sort of discomfort. Otherwise, you're probably going to go brain dead. You know, um, it's, it's just necessary if you want to have a big life, if you want to pursue things. However, you need to make sure that that discomfort is something you want to tolerate and it's at a reasonable level. And I think this retreat really shifted my mindset to like, no, I don't have to be in pain as much as I am. Like my client doesn't need to be having as much stress as they can. This makes me think of running. And a lot of advice that I get from running coaches is make sure you're running easy. And I always was like, what the fuck do you even mean? Running is hard. It will always be hard. I hate running. But um, even though I obviously do running and I love running, what they mean is put effort in and try your best, but try to adjust running so that it's working for you, not against you. Do everything you can to make the run as easy as possible while still putting forth effort. And there's just some things in our lives that we're just constantly keeping around. And we don't really know why. We think we should because of obligation or just habit, or we just haven't even gotten used to it. We're just we're just a frog in a boiling pot of water that's been turned up slowly. Um, but stress really does impact you and you don't need to be taking on as much stress as you are. And I think especially in the USA and I'm sure a lot of other modernized culture, whatever you have, um, it, but it seems really bad in the USA. I'm from here, so that's that's why I can say that. But there's a work culture here of just work, 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 work. Always be driven for success and don't care about you as a person. Um, if you make, if you have enough money, if you do enough work, and if you are strong and you persevere through things, then you've made it and you really just miss everything along the way. So I found that removing stress from your environment that you no longer want and making sure your stress is at an appropriate level is crucial to recovery as well. And a lot of people say, well, I can't just change my life. And 
I just want to offer a very rebellious thought, which is maybe you can. Maybe you can just change your life. Maybe you can switch things up. Maybe you need an outside perspective. Maybe maybe you need your whole world to be turned upside down for you to be able to see what's wrong, what's not wrong. Um, if you're if your life is making you want to go to bulimia, sometimes like you, yeah, you need to learn how to deal better. But if there's constant triggers, yes, you need to learn how to deal with the triggers better, but also you can just remove some of those triggers. It's optional. You don't just have to deal with all of them and keep on going. And I think one benefit, which I'll talk about later, is that when you remove bulimia, you actually see what is going on and what you want to change and what you don't want to change. Um, but yeah, it's not just about coping. You could change your life to suit your needs. Anyone, you can change things. Um, unless you're like in a really, really unfortunate circumstance and you're held against your will or something. Um, or I recognize there's different privileges too that people have, but you can always, you know, change your life at some point. And then, yeah, make sure the stresses you're dealing with are stress you actually want to be dealing with. It's much different. Like hard work feels much better when you're doing it because you know you want to versus doing it because of some stupid reason. And um, also stress doesn't have to be just like anxiety or mental stress or work stress. It can be stress from maybe environmental things, in, uh, hazards that are going on, like uh, toxic chemicals or something, or you're not eating the right types of foods or whatever it is, or there's a really bad relationship in your life that's just causing you to turn to food and behaviors all the time. You have an option to get rid of those things. You do. You And if you don't feel like you have an option right now, I believe that you can figure it out. So um, yeah, I'm a big, I'm a, I'm, I've never been just a whole, only coping, but I found that this was a big lesson for me and like, wow, when you remove yourself from your environment, you're able to see things clearly and see what's really causing your behaviors. And then when you come back to your environment, you can make much clearer decisions on what you want to change. And a lot of those things are not necessary to be keeping in your life. So that's one. Um, two, dealing with discomfort is key to truly knowing yourself. And just a practical example, uh, I... <laughs> When I went there, um, obviously like this traumatic, traumatic event happened to me and I did not want to be there. I just was like, I need to leave. And I, but I couldn't leave and I couldn't, I didn't want to, but I couldn't turn to like alcohol or food or anything like that. And I couldn't access what I needed to access to find out more information. I could just, all I was, it was really a moment of like, you can do absolutely nothing, but sit there and be with yourself, Jacqueline. And I had like really a breakdown, right? It was like tears, anger, all these things. And it was an awful, awful experience. Like there wasn't anything pleasant about it. But the beauty of that and processing my raw pain, like really truly being with my pain, not allowing myself to leave and just being with it is I got to know how I felt and what was okay with me and what was not okay and what was going on. So that helped tremendously. Um, Not escaping it, not running away from it, just being there with it. And I talk about this a lot with my clients too, in the day-to-day basis, is when you just allow your emotions to be there, they're actually generally indicators of something going on. Not always, sometimes it's habitual, but sometimes feelings are coming up and you're using food to mask them. And because you're using food, you really don't notice. It's like having loud noise on, you don't hear who's screaming in the background for help, right? And that is you. So having your emotions fully on display, letting yourself have a breakdown, letting yourself cry as much as you need to, um, letting yourself be bored, letting yourself be annoyed, frustrated, agitated. All those things teach you about yourself. They're signals. They're um, indicators that something's going on, be it wrong or otherwise. But 
when you're constantly using bulimia to buffer, then you're tolerating a life you really don't want. And um, you're allowing things in your life that you kind of hate. So that is important. Um, and then another thing, another takeaway was that um, simplicity is key for recovery and for many other things in life. Like it doesn't have to be hard. It can be easy. And I think what my client found found was when she had the right tools, she was saying before, I thought this was going to be so hard. I thought eating and refeeding is going to be so uncomfortable, so much pain. But really, she just had to show up for her meals, eat the meals, experience some discomfort, experience some uncertainty, not overthink it too much, listen to her body. And when she started feeling hungry, she would say it out loud and we'd go get something to eat. And then when she was feeling about 80% full, she'd stop, put her fork down, she'd slow a little bit down while she was eating. She took smaller bites, put her fork down in between eating. And then when she felt discomfort after the meal, wanting to purge, letting that come up, rise up, and then pass, that's all it really took, right? And just kind of being present with those things. It didn't take a whole bunch of effort. Of course, she had to go to Mexico, right? But, and not everyone can do that. But I think we think recovery is going to be this mountain. It's got to be so hard. It doesn't have to be super hard doesn't have to be incredibly difficult. You don't have to do all of these things. It can be simple. It can be easy. It can be not so complicated. And I think the more we overcomplicate it, the harder it is for us to really access it or recover because we just don't understand it. And there's too many steps and then we get overwhelmed and then we give up. But it can just be easy. Another lesson was that being fully committed to not engaging helps. And a lot of people are like, how can you be fully committed? Um, that's really hard for me to do. But you can just make a choice, right? And this client, she fully intended when she showed up to not engage in purging behaviors. I fully committed to be there, right? Even though part of me was like away and um, thinking about the trauma and all those things. Uh, so both those things, when you fully commit to it, really does give you then an opportunity to figure things out. If this is off the table, what are we doing now? And you can have a productive conversation and keep working through things. And I think that really, really helped her. Uh, and then being open and honest always. We, during the retreat, when things were coming up for her, she would just speak about it. When things were coming up for me, I would just speak about it. We'd discuss it together. Um, we were in a place where we felt safe to do that, but we stayed honest with ourselves and with, with other people around us. We just communicated openly. We didn't try to hide our emotions. We didn't try to pretend things were okay. And I think that helped us tremendously, especially her, because then she could stay accountable and stay present and stay really focused on what she wanted and not veer away from her goals. I think that sometimes when you're not honest with yourself and you just like put things in the background, brush them under the rug, when you have to speak them out loud and be true to them constantly, always talk about them all the time, um, that seems to help a lot. Something I do in my own personal life is try to journal daily and like actually look at my goals and see how I'm doing on them and not hide away from them. I notice when I stop tracking my goals, when I stop writing things down, that's because I'm avoiding recognizing the truth that we've slipped up a little bit, we've gotten a little too comfortable, and we need to go back to things and get back to the drawing board. So that was good. And um, the last thing that was kind of fun, uh, which my client pointed out to me is that eating is a cycle. So just like, you know, if you have a menstrual cycle, we have different cycles on in the world that we follow. Um, the moon is a cycle, whatever we have eating cycles. And when I described it to her, you could just think, see things click. Um, 
hunger to hunger cycle, hunger to fullness to hunger again cycle. I told her, you need to let your body complete the cycle. And I think what we do with bulimia is we intervene. We mess up the cycle. We ruin the cycle. We do something because we think that our body doesn't know any better and we have to fix it. But your body will always return to hunger and it will always, when you feed it, return to some sort of fullness and then back again. And I think part of life and part of recovery is allowing yourself to get hungry, but not too hungry, just, you know, 80% hungry or something, not ravenous. And then when you feel hungry, listening to your body and trusting it and eating something, letting yourself get to that 80% full mark, and then letting the feelings and discomfort come up from that, and then letting yourself return to hunger again. And when I described it to her, it was just like, she's watching the sunrise and the sunset. There's nothing she needs to do. It's a system that's working. You don't need to do anything about it. And it gives you comfort that it will complete at some point. So viewing it in that way seemed to really help. And then also bonus one, um, which is going to sound so guru and basic, but she really thought this time about how can I love my body, take care of myself and nourish my body here. Like I'm, I'm using my body, not as this energizer bunny, let's go and binge all day sort of situation so we can get work done. We're here to show up so that we can treat our bodies with body with respect, give it what it needs, nourish it, make it feel good, be there for it. And I don't think we think about that often in daily life. We think about what do we need to do? What do we need to accomplish? What's on our to-do list? How can we do this and that, blah, blah, blah. But what if you really showed up and like, okay, how can I take care of myself today? What does my body need? What do I need? Even if you have a busy schedule or whatever, you can make time for yourself. And I think you should. And if you feel like you can't make time for yourself, what type of life are you living? You know, like it's just not the life you want at all. I don't want that life anymore. And I feel like I've done a bad job of that recently too, if I'm being completely honest, which I'm working on changing. But God, you want a life where you're actually doing stuff for you and you're not treating your body like it's a car that just needs to be constantly refueled and and abused, right? You're not a car, you're a human being. You have needs, you need love, you need rest, you need emotional tending, you need whatever it is. But treat yourself with some love, right? And show up each day thinking about that. Um, and that really helped my client a lot and it helped me as well. All right, I think that is that. I'm gonna leave you guys here. Um, a lot of people have been asking, you know, are you gonna do another retreat? Uh, are you going to do um, anything in the future? Do you do private retreats? Do you meet people in person? I am willing to do private retreats with people. And that is what this came of. I was working with this client and she and I kind of suggested it because I saw that she was going to retreat centers. So I am planning on doing another retreat like this at some point and probably next year, not this year. But if you are interested in doing a private retreat to me, you can always email me and we can maybe book a trip together and have this experience together, which was incredibly transformative for myself and my client. Um, and then also, if you would like to work with me one-on-one, -on -one, I am, I do have some new offers, but I have private coaching available. Um, and uh, there's spaces available right now. That's not always the case. So if you would like to work with me, book a consult on my website at bingebreakers.com and it'll be a Calendly link and you just fill out the form and then book appointment in my calendar and we'll see if we're a good fit. I typically work with people from three to six months and there's different payment options as well. And um, it's really good to time. All right. I'm going to let you guys go. I hope you found this useful and never give up on yourself, my friends. Bye.